So as we continue to uh, learn about the Holy Spirit, today, as mentioned, we read from 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 11. And as we read and study this passage, just take note of a couple of theme words that are repeated several times in this passage. And in fact, the words are actually in opposition to one another. The first theme word is related to comfort and compassion. The second theme word is related to suffering and affliction. And as opposing as these two themes are, they're also rather connected. And the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives with respect to the comfort, to the comfort in our suffering. So before reading from 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 11, let's pray together. Father God, Son, and Holy Spirit, again, we are blessed to be able to read from your word and be able to see the working of the Trinity in the word in our lives, and in our church. We bless you and praise you and open our eyes and hearts to this reading so that we too may see how the Holy Spirit works in us to comfort us and to point us to Jesus. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 11. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted in answer to the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So rain barrels. Rain barrels seem to be a rather effective way to collect rainwater. You put a barrel at the corner of your house, ensure that the eaves trough can run into it, and soon enough, when it rains, your barrel collects a good amount of water. And it's likely that the barrel may even become full. However, if the barrel is only used to collect the water, then the water just kind of sits there and it becomes stagnant and stale and it's likely a good breeding ground for mosquitoes and other things. The rain is collected in the rain barrel for a purpose. So what is even more effective with a rain barrel is if the rain barrel has this tap along with this hose that's connected to it. And then it can be used to water flower or vegetable gardens or even lawns to assist in the growth. The water that is collected is to flow out into the hose and be used for greater purposes. The hose is an important piece 
of the rain barrel. Well, in our passage this morning, 2 Corinthians 1, Paul is stating a similar principle. And he's not talking about rain barrels or hoses. Rather, Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit and about people and comfort. We receive comfort from the Holy Spirit, not to keep that comfort to ourselves, but for that comfort to enter into us and then flow out of us and to be able to comfort others. Paul is encouraging us to not only be rain barrels, but he also is encouraging us to be hoses that will allow whatever we receive to flow out of us to help others grow and flourish. As mentioned, though, that there are opposing themes that are occurring here. There is comfort, but there's also suffering. And as we go through this passage today, we're going to begin with the latter verses that refer to the suffering, and then we're going to work our way backwards a little bit to the earlier verses, which then refer to comfort and praising God. So we first look at the troubles and the suffering that Paul refers to. And so we begin at verse 8 where Paul says that we do not want you to be uninformed about our troubles. Paul's stating that, yeah, we have troubles, and we should share those troubles with others. Don't keep people uninformed. Troubles should not be kept inside and not to be ashamed of, but rather troubles are to be shared, according to Paul here in the Scriptures, we are to share them with the community. So Paul has chosen to share his troubles with the whole of the Corinthian Christian church. Now, it's not stated specifically in this letter what those troubles are. Some scholars think that the troubles might be some terrible illness. Others think it has to do with riots in Ephesus that are noted in Acts 19 and threaten the lives of Christians, including Paul. And it's possible that Paul did elaborate with the Corinthian people, just not in this letter. And it's likely intentional that we remain unaware as to what the suffering is. Paul leaves it as general and vague suffering without specifically stating the trouble. And perhaps Paul wants us all to be able to just relate to whatever troubling circumstances we find ourselves in. So Paul had some difficult circumstances before him. And what we do know is that Paul's suffering was such that it seemed that the troubles were going to lead to his death. We read in verse 9, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. What is going on is rather serious. And Paul is not alone. When it comes to our suffering, again, we're to share our suffering and our troubles with others. And by doing so, it builds community. Sharing our struggles reminds people that they are not alone as individuals. So again, Paul shares his struggles with the church. And by sharing, he indicates at the end of verse 9, this happens so that we do not have to rely on on ourselves. Paul can rely on God. And Paul can rely on God's people. He is part of the community of the saints. Again, this passage doesn't specifically talk about what the troubles are. But nevertheless, misery, suffering, troubles, and affliction, they continue to occur in the world today. And even in our Canadian context, as many blessings as we have in Canada, we're not exempt from troubles. 
I mean, what's happened over these past few weeks with the finding of the remains of indigenous children at residential schools? Or the intentional hatred shown to Muslims as a family was torn apart in London? These are all very troubling and have resulted in much suffering. And even with the pandemic that tears this world apart, COVID has resulted in so many deaths worldwide And even the economic losses are astronomical, and not to mention the emotional and mental health struggles. And even the destruction of relationships, where COVID has brought about disunity and differences of opinions among friends and families, and even among Christians and in the church. Or maybe COVID has even challenged your faith, questioning how a good God can let this happen. Or others are suffering related to physical or emotional aspects. We know friends or family members, or or even yourself, maybe you're struggling with sexual identity or physical ailments or financial crisis, loss of loved ones. And the troubles and the struggles are prevalent even in the lives of God's people. And far too often, people feel that they should struggle with things on their own. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone should post their struggle on Facebook or bring their struggle to the attention of the whole church. I mean, yes, Paul did. But you've got to keep in mind that it was likely a house church. And the church was more like a small group than what our churches are today. So when you struggle, it might be that you bring it to the whole church, and that's fine. But it might be that you bring it to your small group or a small group of trusted believers But struggles are to be shared with others so that you know you don't have to rely on only yourself. But like Paul stated, you can rely on God and on God's people. As we work backwards in this passage from the struggles in verse 8 and following, we now look at the theme of comfort, beginning in verse 3. Verses 3 to 4, we read, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God graces his people with the gift of the Holy Spirit, who comforts his people. Quick language lesson here. The Greek word for comfort is paraklesis. And maybe some of you are familiar with another English word called paraclete. We sing it in a song, actually. We don't use that word too often. I don't use paraclete too often myself, as a matter of fact. But we sing it in a song, a hymn, Creator Spirit by Whose Aid. In the words in verse 2, we sing, O source of uncreated light, the Father's promise paraclete. Paraclete is another word that's used for Holy Spirit. And so... Paraclesis, this Greek word, literally means to come alongside of and help. The Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is the person who comes alongside and helps. So when we have troubles and afflictions and sufferings, not only in this world, but in our lives, personal lives, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the paraclete, comes along, comes alongside of us and helps. So how does the Holy Spirit help? Well, the Holy Spirit himself will bring comfort to us. The Holy Spirit will encourage us to share our struggles with others in order to be comforted. The Holy Spirit will use others then to comfort us 
and to walk alongside of us as well. The Holy Spirit of comfort comforts us, encouraging us to share our struggles, to receive comfort from others. And as we go through our struggles and receive comfort, we learn more and more how to trust God. And we too can comfort others as well. You see, we are rain barrels receiving comfort from the Holy Spirit and others. And we are rain barrels with a hose. As we fill up with comfort, we too will then use that comfort that we received in our times of trouble to overflow into the lives of others, allowing others to be comforted and grow and flourish. So we're not only to be rain barrels, but rain barrels receive a filling of water. We receive a filling of the Holy Spirit. But that filling of the Holy Spirit cannot just stay with us. We also need to be those channels of outflow. We need to be those hoses, allowing that flowing of the Holy Spirit in us to be flowed out towards others. Again, Paul's not reflecting in this passage on, if God is so good, then why is there evil and why are there struggles in this world? He's not creating a philosophical discussion here. Rather, though, he is creating a theological promise. He promises, in our troubles, we will receive comfort through the Holy Spirit and through others. And we, too, will then learn to comfort others. As Teresa said in the children's message this morning, God's not going to waste any struggle or pain. He's going to use it for his glory, for his purposes. So Paul here is very familiar with the Old Testament, and particularly probably many of the Psalms as well. Like Psalm 46, verse 1, we read it earlier in the service. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Or Psalm 23, verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. You see, God is taking you through the valley. He may not be getting rid of that valley, but he is going through the valley with you. And God gives you his comfort through the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit so that you then can be comforted and then comfort others. So that others can see you endure and grow and mature in patience. And through it all, the Holy Spirit who is alongside of you provides you the strength and the courage to also come alongside of others. Each person experiences different difficulties and trials. And God's going to use those trials to comfort and encourage others. We become channels, hoses, if you will. We become God's channels of God's comfort to others. Maybe some of you have lost a child or parent or another loved one. And you can comfort others who've lost a loved one. Not to say that you may know exactly how someone feels, but you can provide comfort even by just being present. Others have lost jobs or, or maybe not sure what vocation or direction to go. Others have been there. Share your struggles. People can comfort you. Maybe you're going through a sexual identity crisis and there are others who can encourage and comfort you and then you will be used for others. Remember, we too will receive a comfort through our sufferings to allow that comfort to flow to others. So sometimes, 
Our suffering is actually for the sake of the other. Our suffering will be to receive comfort, of course, so that we can provide comfort to someone else. Do you hear how that loving God and loving God's people is coming into this? We're called to love our neighbor, maybe to suffer for the sake of our neighbor. Well, you know this passage helps us realize that the growth of the church, it's not in its technologies or techniques. The growth of the church is not on account of its programs, but the growth of the church is on account of the people. People who are willing to suffer for others. People who have trust and faith that God will carry you through whatever you are going through. I guess I can't help again but refer to Heidelberg Catechism, the Reformed Confession, question and answer one. I read it last week, but I, I, I feel I need to read it again this week, where we ask the question, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And we read the answer that I'm not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus has fully paid for all my sins through his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. And because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Our biggest struggle in life is sin. And yet even in our sins, we are comforted because God has sent his one and only son to deliver us from sin. To forgive us for all our sins, to to remove all the sins. Now we still live with the consequences of sin, but we are given hope for when Christ returns that all things will be made new and all the suffering and the pain will be removed. Revelation 21 verse 4 states how Jesus will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there's going to be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Praise God. Well, through this series on the Holy Spirit, it's been repeated that the Holy Spirit points our eyes towards Jesus. And even in our pains and our struggles, the Spirit will continue to work in us to provide us comfort and to point us to Jesus. Jesus who came down as a human and understands the struggles that we go through. Jesus who suffered for the sake of others. Jesus who knows the sufferings that we are faced with. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming alongside of us and pointing us to Jesus. Finally, as we move continues to move backwards in this passage, we look at verse 3 again briefly. This passage begins with praise. Praise be to God. Our triune God is praise in all circumstances and all times. Praise be to our God our Father. Praise be to our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God of our all comfort, our comforter, our paraclete, our Holy Spirit who walks alongside of us. See, Paul sets the stage right in the beginning of this passage that our response is to be one of praise. Many areas throughout Scripture states to praise our God. And yes, there are many times that we need to praise, and praise is important. 
But I also think, and you probably do too, that there are seasons where praise is going to be difficult. And that is where the comfort comes in during these difficult times. Paul states that the goal is to praise God. So when we comfort others and allow ourselves to be comforted by others, this brings praise to God. Sometimes we need the comfort of others to, for us to bring praise. We may need to see others praising in their struggles in order to enter into a season of praise. Yes, we are to praise God, but do not feel ashamed or feel guilty if there is a season that you find it difficult. And praise doesn't always look to the eyes pointing into the sky and hands raising up, but maybe sometimes it's like praising with the eyes down to the ground. Allow others to be used to comfort you so that you too can be comforted and bring praise to God. For sharing your troubles with others and having others comfort you and you comfort others, again, that brings praise to our God. So, are you just a rain barrel? Letting your water get stagnant and stale? Or are you also a hose that reaches the gardens and the lawns around you? People of God, may God use you to comfort others. And may others be used by God to comfort you. And may together we praise the God of all comfort. Together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Holy Spirit and Savior, um, we thank you for all that you do for us. And we thank you for your grace and your love and comfort in times of trouble. Thank you for your church, where we can be the community of saints that cares and comforts one another. Use us for your purposes to comfort those with the comfort that we receive from you. And use others to comfort us. And when that is necessary, may we be open to receiving comfort from others. And through all of this, may we be people who bring praise and glory to your name for all that you have done for us through our Savior and our Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.